Hello and welcome to Climb's podcast series, Advancing Vietnam, with me, Vlad Savin, as your host. In this episode, I'm discussing with Matthew Lowry, managing partner at Climb Vietnam, about a topic relevant for all investors in Vietnam, accounting. Uh, while it may sound relatively straightforward, experienced investors in Vietnam often find accounting compliance extremely tedious and complex, and following the accounting standards and principles is often challenging and frustrating. Let's find out why, and let's explore some solutions together here with Matthew Lowry into how becoming compliant with accounting in Vietnam as international investors. Welcome again, Matthew, for Advancing Vietnam podcast series. Great to be here as always, Led. Let's see how we can support investors with understanding a bit more about the accounting framework in Vietnam. And I'll start with the first question with an overview of the uh, accounting landscape in the country and its implications for, for international investors. So Vietnam is governed by Vietnamese accounting standards. And they are not IFRS compliant. There's been no new new accounting standards issued for many, many, many years. Um, just to put pin on that, there is a move shortly to um, a version of IFRS, but that's coming in the near future. Vietnamese accounting standards are a um, tax-based adjusted cash accounting standards. They're very rudimentary from an international perspective. Um, they're based on documentation and um, with that, a lot of the accounting concept that foreign investors expect do not exist within the accounting regime. The framework requires all companies to comply, and that's why we often see two sets of accounts reported, one based on VAS, one based on IFRS, which can be very different results. Because of that, um, the framework is quite quite um, simple. Uh, some of the key features, there's, for example, there's no impairment testing, there's no mark-to-market, there's no revaluation process, and a lot of the time, if, doc, if, if VAT or invoice documentation don't exist, the ability to record something as an event that's arisen, even though it might meet the, the normal um, IFRS test for um, revenue and expense for meeting the requirements, it may not meet the requirements under VAS because of the documentation that exists. And what are some of the key uh, principles that govern the VAS um, accounting standards for international investors that they should uh, be aware of when they're looking at the accounting? Um, documents. So it's documentation driven. So it, because it's part of the tax. So you firstly, you come down to transactions must have VA, VAT invoices, so official invoices. That's the basis for documentation for, for a transaction existing. So you've got that um, the basis for accounting is this document driven um, reflecting the transactions that have occurred. So if you're not dealing with that, if you're just going through concepts, you're not going to do it. You can't just make an accrual for something. It comes down to documentation. Um, and you can go either way. You can go documentation leading into your compliance process, but also your documentation, you've got to make sure you have your vouchers, you have your journal entries, you have the signed documentation to go with that. VAT invoices are generally digital now, but printed copies for files, still important for archive and for retention and review purposes. But there's a digitalization that exists, but the actual it still refers to a digital document. It's the document that, that that's required. So we're not dealing with accounting concepts. We're dealing with with um, a, almost a bookkeeping driven approach to how accounting works. Um, a few months ago, our accounting, our marketing team, together with our accounting team, released a comprehensive guide looking at differences between the VAS and the IFRS as well. Looking at the roadmap, we've done a client seminar on those. Can you summarize in a, in a few sentences what are how is VAS different from uh, other accounting standards used internationally and investors and how should investors really uh, prepare for this? 
So your IFRS is really trying to give someone a picture of the performance of a business. It's supposed to reflect the, the fundamentals of performance and position of a business. You should look at an IFRS and understand the liabilities, the performance, and the timeliness. Uh -huh. The AS is, even though it has the same um, intent and foundation, it's not there for investors. It's not there to understand the value of a business and the performance. It's there for compliance. It's there to make sure that the right tax is being paid in the right year, that the documentation exists to support that, and that is being used as a um, as a basis, as a standardised basis with very little choice. You follow the rules, you do the journal entries, you have the documentation to support. IFRS, there's a significant amount of um, choice being made based on treatment of something, based upon opinions, based upon um, application to a particular entity, particular company. So a VAS doesn't actually give you um, the, the, the discretion than IFRS when you're using experts to make opinions, to make determination on um, impairment testing. How long an asset may last, what's the value, what's the useless, and how much of that expense goes to this year, how much goes to future years. That's it. Don't, um, there's always a tax element in international regimes where your IFRS financial statements and your tax financial statements may be different. In Vietnam, that's not the case. So Vietnam, your accounting regime is your tax regime. Hence why we don't have the same level of discretion. We're not looking at performance, we're looking at compliance. In theory, they still should give you a position of the business, but they're being done for different purposes. Um, so the best way to, to bring the, the analogy is that Vietnam your tax, your accounting, your performance, everything is a single package. International, your IFRS accounting performance and your tax results may be completely different. Vietnam, that will not be the case. Mm. And you spoke a lot about uh, IFRS and uh, I think it would be relevant for um, our listeners to go through a bit of the roadmap into the 2025 launch of the IFRS in Vietnam from the authorities' perspective, at least, at least that's the plan. And how do you think it will impact the accounting component of what international investors are undertaking as we speak? And so there's a roadmap that says 2025 as a voluntary introduction of um, Vietnamese version of IFRS, which is fantastic. It, it should, should bridge that gap and those differences we've talked about should become far easier to run one set of accounts um, and be globally compliant. So your Vietnamese accounts, your international accounts from a foreign investor's perspective will be consistent. Now, um, there's a there's a roadmap, and so if that works in that way, it gives us running one accounting regime in globally that we can use in Vietnam. That's not going to be quite as practical as that. We are still going to go through a transition phase. We still haven't seen the full um, uh, implementation process for and the final determination of how we are using international financial statements and how it intersects with the tax obligations, which is the biggest difference is that we're moving away from a tax regime to international accounting and then reconciling to tax. So we will move to a process. We still will have, given the background of Vietnam, a lot more documentation behind the scenes. So accounting entries, at the moment, there is specific journal processes for something. If you write the wrong journal process, even if you reverse it into something else, you may be penalized for incorrectly recording transactions because your voucher where you recorded it is an incorrect statement and that's signed by individuals. So there's a two part here, digitalization and changing the requirements of the documentation for how we have to record and the quantity and process for recording there will be differences. We'll be modifying, Vietnam will be changing from what it is now, but it won't be the same. So clients um, and investors 
when talking to our clients, the investors themselves go um, have when we're making sure they don't assume that their singular global practice can just be changed in 2025 and Vietnam can use the global practice. There'll be localization, and that localization is what we don't know is a final level that will need to be done differently in Vietnam, but the results will be a more international compliant process and a separation between accounting and tax, where in Vietnam it's one and the same at the moment. So the FRS, um, implementation. We'll see that in due course of what that will be. We're already a lot of training happening in Vietnam about IFRS concepts to make sure that the concepts are understood and the local implementation of that is something that will him hit the hit the, hit the sort of in big time next year in 2024. Um, sorry, this 2024 and then 2025 will be the implementation. That's the current roadmap. And when we speak about preparing for accounting compliance as a general mindset for investors, always maintaining and ensuring that they're compliant throughout their principles and throughout how they uh, um, undertake the work with their chief accountant, where does the audit fit in? What is the audit's role into maintaining this accounting compliance? Can it act as a review function or is just a year-end uh, exercise for investors? Um, at the moment, it's, it, it is a exercise, to be honest. So your I, your VAS audit um, is an exercise. Now, there may be differences in timings and opinions, and you may have issues on getting an audit, um, agreeing with the auditor, but it's not really, um, it's not really a function at the moment because it's a tax compliance lodgement that it's really giving a lot of reliance for investors about the nature of their business. Um, it has a purpose, but it's not the same level. And in fact, with the tax office, you can't even say that the auditors agree with me. It has very little weight. If we're doing an IFRS audit, there's more because you're looking at accounting principles, we're looking at determinations, we're looking at um, a different level, and it's not just the documentation, it is about the principles themselves. So a rules-based VAS, a principles-based IFRS is going to make a big difference in, in how things work and what's going on. Um, again, we've still got to see what the final impact of that is, the how much leeway, or whether there is quite prescriptive interpretations of some of the IFRS elements in Vietnam, which is not what we want. We have to make sure and to see what's going to happen with that. Um, but separation between tax and accounting should give us a difference between the reliance on audit for tax purpose and what the, what the Vietnamese authorities need to ensure that tax is being done properly. And from an investor point of view, that ability to rely on governance, risk, processes, and manage that from their internal controls, testing, et cetera, and IFRS. So that separation, I think, will be a good thing and how it can be applied within an organization. Let's try to stay, step back for the next question into more broad um, um, advice for, for investors, looking at the practicalities of um, uh, compliance with the accounting standards and accounting processes. You've been in Vietnam for almost 20 years. You've supported investors along the way. What are some of these best practices for managing accounting, for undertaking accounting in Vietnam? Uh, I say the, the worst thing we see is reliance on one individual. The chief accountant um, is is misunderstood by many and the reliance is too many, too much. So the chief accountant is a statutory position. It's a quasi company secretary, quasi head of the finance function, quasi tax officer. Um, it has a range of functions, but it's misunderstood in the except that it has a role in legislative and signing off. So that all vouchers, all ledger entries, all finance type functions, their chief accountant needs to sign off to say, yes, it has gone through a process. Who's checking their work? Who's making sure that they're compliant? Is there a team that they're reviewing and the team has quality? So that individual reliance. If there is a team 
and that person is overseeing a team, great. If it's an individual and no one is overseeing their work, we see significant risks and, and problems. And fixing that approach or the or the chief accountant disappears or the chief accountant destroys documents because they're angry, there's no comeback because the reliance that individual has been you know, so much and they have power. So what we commonly find in a structure is the chief accountant is just part of a structure. Quite often we have a finance manager in, in ahead of the chief accountant. They don't have to be the functional head of the finance in an organization. They are for, a compl for statutory compliance, but it doesn't mean operationally. Who's overseeing? Is there an external party, which we recommend? Is there an internal party? Have you outsourced that? So the internal accounting function is actually seen and signed off by an external party um, to make sure that internal processes is not going to expose the company to risk. And when you talk about consequences for non-compliance, specifically for international investors, because domestic companies, they, they have this type of experience where they prefer to do things the local way, as we always call it, and for them it's not uh, that important when they look at consequences, they evaluate risk in a different way. But for international investor, risk management is their key priority. What are some of the uh, critical consequences for um, having a non-compliant accounting um, uh, process in the, in the company. Keep in mind that all companies will be tax inspected every five years, every one year, there's a constant process of audit. Your tax audit is an order of your accounting function. So the, the accounting function is a tax compliance function. Just the VAS is a tax compliance. Your tax inspections happen so if you don't have a tax inspection now, but you do in five years, seven years time, the penalties just add on top. And if you've been rolling the wrong process every year for the last seven years, those levels of penalties, those levels and implications of you lose a tax deduction one year, cannot claim it in another year, and you're paying tax on, on what should not be taxable because of errors in your system, the penalties, the financial late payment penalties on top of the raw tax that you have not paid. So you've not paid certain amount of tax. You've got penalties for late payment. You've got um, culpability penalties on there, significant amounts. So your accounting regime may be, eh, it's accounting doesn't matter. But if that results in, because it's a tax system, historical, um, bad practice or lack of records or non or someone's lost a folder for to, you know, 2019, the folder's gone missing because no one cared, that is significant because you're into deeming territories. So it might seem strange to some jurisdictions that we're talking tax compliance and tax inspection for your accounting regime, it's one and the same. And that's where the misunderstanding happens from because local um, local parties who just that's normal as part of what they've grown up with understand that foreign investors don't or have that same level of understanding and that exposes them to significant risk if they don't prepare accordingly and uh, uh, the final question coming up with the with the, the entire story now if we look at international investors and what sh how should they prepare what's your advice for for them to really um, undertake the accounting in a completely professional manner yeah so it's an interesting one at the moment because we're in this cusp of moving to a IFRS modified IFRS system, but we can't rely upon that. We have to do, if you're starting now or recently in country, you have to just assume VAS is the way it is, even though you know that in a few years time, you are gonna to move to a modified process. Um, and it's about understanding 
and not fighting anything. And as we've said many times, Vietnam's a process-driven society. If there's seven steps, if there's eight requirements, you want to do those eight requirements, those seven steps. Don't try to apply the logic to how that should work. So a foreign investor should make sure they understand the processes and the requirements. Sit down with your chief accountant. What are we doing? What's our calendar? When do we have to have things signed off? Is it our monthly accounting, a quarterly lodgement for tax? What is in there? What vouchers? How's the journals? When do we need documents? When do we have to submit expense claims? Because if you don't do it the right period, you may lose something. Invoicing clients, having contracts. If there's invoice dates at the end of a quarter for something and you issue them the next quarter, you may have VAT problems. You may have recording issues in your financial statements with cutoffs. So having that conversation, having that dialogue with your accountants and making sure that, again, individual, that you may, oh, I've got a young person, they're great, they've got a chief account certificate, but they don't have experience. Relying upon them is dangerous. So having discussion with a broader set of experts to do that planning, have that structure, infrastructure in place. Once it's in place and once you're comfortable and have a re review regime built in, it will just flow. And then we move to an IFRS, it'll again flow to IFRS, but the foundation's in place. Mm -hmm. Vietnam built around a VAS system when it comes to documentation and expectations. Start with that, over time we'll move. Matthew, thank you again for joining our Advancing Vietnam podcast series. Great to talk as always, Vlad. We advise investors and businesses operating in Vietnam to peruse the accounting regulations and be familiar with the Vietnamese accounting standards as well as the IFRS to ensure that all the necessary compliance elements are met in order to avoid any potential penalties or future risks. And many thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Advancing Vietnam podcast series. For more information about this topic, please check out our publications on vietnam.techline.com. And if you want to reach out to us for any additional details, feel free to contact me on LinkedIn or throughout the website contact details. <laughs>